This is the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the show for real estate investors, stock traders, and business owners. We help you keep more of what you earn and protect what you've built. Let's get started. Hey guys, this is Toby Mathis, and I'm joined today by Kareem Hanafi. First off, welcome, Kareem. It's great to be here. Yeah, and Kareem heads up the uh, philanthropic division of Anderson, which means nonprofits. And Kareem used to work for the IRS as an IRS tax attorney in the exempt organization department of our wonderful IRS. Uh, you're, you're, and you're trying to make up for all that you did now, right, Kareem? Yeah, still five years there, uh, over 15 years in private practice, and I still haven't made up for that. So I'm halfway there. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to go over 10 ways that you can reap benefits uh, with some year-end tax planning or just all-year tax planning, really, with nonprofits. And so I want to dive into this, Kareem, because we want, we're want we going to do 10, right? Yeah. Like I'm putting up my big old ham fingers. <laughs> 10. We're going to put up 10 reasons or ways that you can benefit. What's, what, what's the big one? What's number one? Okay. So, and first, before I say this, you know, you're going to see a lot of information and articles that kind of go through this and talk about the things that you can do before the end of the year. We just want to cover it with a 501c3, you know, because there are many benefits, including the tax benefits, and they do apply throughout the year, whether it's this year or, or next year. It doesn't have to be just at the end of the year, but definitely the biggest benefit is going to be reducing your taxes by donating to a 501c3. So, all right. So, so we do a 501c3. Just give people an idea what it is. Because when you say 501c3, that's code provision. Yeah. What's included? So, you know, you basically would set up the entity as a nonprofit corporation with the state, and then you would uh, obtain an EIN. So you would be a, a separate entity, just like you would with any other corporation, LLC, partnership, whatever it may be. You're a nonprofit corporation, and then you apply with the IRS to be able to get the exemption as a 501c3. So you can't get the 501c3. Just by setting it up at the state, you have to set up the state and then you have to apply with the IRS explaining exactly what the organization does in order to be granted and to be given exemption as a 501c3. All right. So I want to say time out real quick because this means you're setting up your own charity that you can contribute to before the end of the year and you could actually get a tax deduction. Is it, it, so a lot of people probably didn't realize that they could they can actually set up their own. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you can reduce your taxes if you do donate to an existing 501c3. But what we like to do with our clients, we have a lot of clients who are obviously within Anderson. We encourage them, create your own 501c3 organization mm -hmm. and begin your legacy. You know, you kind of have you can have your family that can get involved in it. That next generation can get involved in the giving as well. And you can determine how the the basically how the donations are going to be invested and where the money will be distributed as well. Yeah. And technically they can draw a salary out. And if you, if you set it up during your lifetime, you pass away, somebody just carries that torch, it's out of your estate. So you don't have to probate it. You don't have estate taxes on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, frankly, it's probably a better thing than just giving somebody a big chunk of money is giving them a purpose, especially if it's something you care about. What about just, what about giving to an existing 501c3? Can you do that? Just say, I want to give it to the Red Cross or United Way or one of these big ones. Yeah. Could I do that? Too? You can definitely do that. But I think with a lot of our clients, you know, they, they give to it and maybe they want to give it for a specific reason or specific cause. They're not sure exactly how the money is going to be distributed. They know it's a 501c3. They know it's a legitimate organization, but perhaps they want to give it for a specific purpose specific cause, maybe even specific families, you know, for example, which we'll discuss in a minute about the benefits with that, but you can do it and give it to an existing 501c3. You can also do mm -hmm. it through a donor advice fund as well. That's another option too. Okay. What's that? 
So donor advice fund is basically where you have an Think of uh, think of Schwab, think of Vanguard, Fidelity. They're sponsoring organizations, and they have set up this. They call it a donor advice fund, where rather than you having to apply for exemption with the IRS, they've already obtained the exemption. So now you go to them and you say, "I want to set up an account, a donor advice fund, through you, mm-hmm. and you know we want to fund it, and then we want to make distributions." You have limitations with it, but basically. Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, even Anderson, we also have it as well. We would manage those assets for you. You would have an account. It'd be an account that would be allocated specifically for you and your donor advice fund. And when you're ready to make distributions to other organizations, you would let us know. And then you as an advisor, you have advisory privileges, and we would make those distributions on your behalf, provided that it meets the conditions and the criteria. There are specific conditions with it. But you can do it, but in, but you can't get reasonable compensation. You can't get paid. Uh, you don't have the same level of control with it if you had your own 501c3 as you do through mm-hmm. a donor advice fund. Instead, it's that sponsoring organization that has the control over it. All right, let's let, let, let's go through this just real brief because I know we have 10 of these <laughs> and we've, we've almost gotten through one of them. So we, we could be here all day. So if I set up a donor advice fund or if I use a donor advice fund, it's basically a placeholder. It's not a it's not the end recipient, but it allows me to get the deduction right now and I'm putting it in the donor advised fund that I can invest that. Is, is, is there a time frame? Like, can I do this for like one year, two years, 10 years? What, what's the time frame for a donor advised fund before I have to distribute it to, let's say I set up my own organization. I just don't want to do it now. I park the money in a donor advised fund. And is there a timeline before I, when I have to distribute it? It would depend on the the sponsoring organization. If you go again with Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, all of them have a requirement that you have to, you can park it in there now, but at some point you have to start making distributions to other organizations. The only thing they can do is give to other 501c3 organizations. So they give you usually two to three years that you have to do it um, is is the requirement. If they do it, Anderson, do we have a timeline? Uh, With us, we give about, we say about two years as well. You want them, but is there a federal law that re- that says here's when you have to distribute it? So there isn't. There's not a federal law, but there's been talks about regulations and changes where they don't like the fact that all of these assets are piled up within the donor advice fund. They want to have a requirement that you make a distribution. You know, there's been there's been legislation. You know, that's been they've been going back and forth with it, saying within ten and fifteen years. So it's not even two to three years. It's going to be much longer mm-hmm. than that. But there is no rule that that requires you to make a distribution sooner than that. They don't have anything. But a lot of these um, <clears throat> sponsoring organizations do want you to make some distributions. Now, keep in mind, we're not saying 100 percent. We're just saying some of the money needs to be distributed to 501c3 organizations. Yes. Yeah, so, so so rule of thumb is, hey, you, you want to have some eminent use some point where you're like, hey, uh, but. There's not a law that implodes it. All right. What's the tax benefit? Let's, let's try to get to number two. So we, we've done number one. You get, you can reduce your taxes by contributing. Is it like, how does it work? Like, how much can I contribute and what's the tax? So the tax benefits, if you make a cash contribution to a 501c3, uh, you can deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income. So you have to determine exactly what the adjusted gross income is for you. So you can make a cash contribution to a public charity, including a donor advice fund, and you can deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income for that. 
Now, if you give to a private foundation, it's only 30%. All right. So if I make a million bucks and I give to a charity, even if I set that charity up, a public charity, Mm -hmm. if I set that up Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a ton of different varieties, there's like, again, there's, there's so many different flavors, but you're helping society out to cure hunger, animals, sports, whatever. Like there's a whole bunch of different criteria Mm -hmm. doing something good for society, but I get a let's say I make a million dollars a year, I can write off up to $600,000 if I donate cash, right? Yeah. Is that correct? <laughs> if it's a private foundation, which means it's not engaged in anything, but it's it's supporting other organizations. So you see a lot of families have a private foundation that I could write off up to 300,000. Yeah. In real people numbers, let's say you're making a hundred grand a year, that means you could donate 60,000 or 30,000, yeah. depending on if it's a public charity or that. Uh, what about if I just have, what if I have some of the original shares of Amazon or something like that? And, uh, it, you know, I bought them for next to nothing and now they're worth a gajillion dollars. Can I, can I, can I donate that or do I have to sell it first? No, you can donate it. You can get a t- deduction as well. You can deduct up to 30% of your adjusted gross income. Now, like the cash, you know, you have that limitation. If you donate it and it's more than that amount of your adjusted gross income, it rolls over over the next five years. So you don't lose the deductions. You just don't get the maximum benefits in that first year. Now, the beauty is with your example with Amazon, if you donate an appreciated asset, you don't have to sell it. You can donate it directly into the nonprofit. And let's assume it doubles, quadruples in value before you've donated it. Well, it's tax deductible. You don't have to pay any taxes on it. And if the nonprofit takes it and keeps it and it continues to grow within the nonprofit and then the nonprofit sells it, they don't pay any taxes on it. So you get all these tax benefits. You get these tax deductions without ever paying any taxes on an asset like Amazon that may have gone up significantly over time without paying any taxes on it and getting all the tax benefits and the tax deductions for it. Wow. So let's say I bought a Bitcoin for a thousand bucks and now it's worth 40,000 or whatever it is today. I only spent a thousand bucks on it. If I got a forty thousand dollar deduction and I'm in the highest tax bracket, that means I'm getting what a, a twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifty, whatever thousand. I should actually do the math. Too many Christmas. I can't. I can't help myself. But forty thousand dollars times, let's just say it's top bracket at thirty seven percent. That's 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 fourteen thousand eight hundred dollars as a as a tax deduction. I only paid a thousand. Yeah. How is that? How is that even fair? I mean, that's the tax rule. It's it's you know, there's a. Uh, Nothing that we're saying is different from what's what's allowed under the code and the provision. So you're right. You paid one thousand. You're deducting fourteen thousand. So here you are getting thirteen thousand dollar benefits at a minimum. You know for something that you paid. So you got more in deductions than it was for what you paid for in the in the asset. So yeah. all right. So for people who's keeping score at home, you can reduce your taxes by making a contribution before the end of the year. You get uh, you can write off up to sixty percent of your adjusted gross income if it's cash. if it's a private foundation, I could give appreciated assets and then I could write off 30% of my adjusted gross income if if it's a public charity. Is that 20% if it's a public charity? I mean, if it's a private foundation. Yes. So, so, so the public charity gives you a little more of your adjusted gross income. At the end of the day, if it's 10% of your, uh, of your income, like you're just, you're tithing or something, then you're not even care. It's going on your schedule A. So it has to exceed your standard deduction. When you add it up with your mortgage interest and state and local taxes and medical expenses that exceed 7.5% of your adjusted gross incomes, like you still have to itemize, but that's a pretty huge benefit. Now, what about those people that do something other than giving 
just money. Maybe they're driving around doing stuff. Maybe they're just donating their time. Like if I say, hey, my time is worth a hundred bucks an hour. Can I get a hundred dollar deduct, uh, deduction if I go work at my local food bank or something like that? Or how does all that stuff work? Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be based on whatever expenses that you incur. So if I, if I give free services, even though I may charge a certain amount, just because I'm doing it for free, that doesn't make it tax deductible, those services. But for any expenses that I incur, let's say I am doing it for free and I'm, you know, going to the post office to, to, to ship or deliver items and I pay for the postage, that's tax deductible. Um, any supplies that I may purchase as well, that's tax deductible. Traveling, going places, you know, delivering uh, items to refugees or families, you know, I purchase those items, that's tax deductible. The travel expenses are tax deductible, any gas expenses, anything that I incur. Let's say I pay for the filing fees on behalf of the nonprofit as we're applying for exemption Mm -hmm. with the 501c3. That's also tax deductible. So any of these expenses that you incur on behalf of the nonprofit, those are all tax deductible, treated as in-kind contributions. Mm -hmm. How about if I just like my neighbors really having a rough year and I just start giving them some money. Maybe I just give them cash. Maybe I buy them food. Maybe I get them Christmas presents or Hanukkah presents, whatever, whatever it might be. Do I get to write any of that stuff off? No. So, you know, one of the benefits of a 501c3, if you do it individually, giving it to support families that are in need, you know, it's a charitable class. That's not tax deductible. But if you do it, let's say through a 501c3 organization that you have set up and that you know, the purpose of it is you want to help families, individuals who are in need, including, say, your neighbors or people that you know, this is a charitable class. So if you donate to your 501c3, it would be tax deductible once you make those distributions. So even though you can't do it directly, you can do it through a 501c3 organization. Right. So we need to we need to have a 501c3 if we want to help our neighbor out. What about, you know, you see this all the time. Somebody sets up, a, a you know, some sort of GoFundMe uh, something like that, where like my neighbor just had a fire. Their Christmas sucks. I remember this. We, we, we did this with a family. I just remember them because they were Packers fans. <laughs> so like we, we went and we bought a bunch of Packers gear and things like that, but their house had burned down during the holidays and it took all everything with them. So, like they were in a, they were in a hotel for Christmas, just life threw them a curveball. If I do a GoFundMe, can I write that off? Well, if you, and, and I've seen the same example, you know, an individual gets in a car accident and he's in the hospital. There's significant medical bills. He has to go through rehab. He has a wife. He has four or five kids. He's the only one who's making money. And now the family needs to be supported, not only for the medical bills, but to cover their everyday expenses. We've seen GoFundMe pages like that and hundreds of thousands, even close to a million dollars that I have seen in, in contributions to this. None of it's tax deductible from individuals, you know, even the millions of dollars that were contributed to this. It's not tax deductible if you do it directly to the GoFundMe page. But if you do it through a 501c3 that's supporting those families that are in need, such as this, you know, obviously this is a distressed family, you know, in need of support for medical expenses and medical care and to help cover their everyday expenses as well. Well, this would be charitable. So if you do it through a 501c3 organization, it would be tax deductible again. How about when we see stuff going on internationally? So I feel like poop, there's something bad that's occurred internationally. Tsunami hit, there's a fire, there's people, refugees, whatever. And I just feel, you know what? I really want to help. Yeah. Can I write that off? Yeah. Again, if you do it directly, giving it to these causes, including UNICEF is a perfect example. And we know this is an organization that provides global relief, especially for children 
you know, all over the world. It's not a U.S. based 501c3 organization. So you cannot give directly to not only UNICEF, but to these other, other, you know, to provide support to these other organizations or individuals. You know, we have a lot of clients who want to give back to their communities, say in villages where they grew up. They want to build orphanages. They want to build hospitals. They want to build schools as well. Even water wells are very common. If you give to these internationally as an individual, it's not tax deductible. But if you set up a 501c3 that's going to be supporting these causes, again, these are all charitable activities. Set up the 501c3 that has discretion and control over the use of the funds and makes those distributions to further these charitable purposes, then yes, it would be tax deductible. So again, you can't do it directly, but you can do it through a 501c3. All right. Now, if I set up that 501c3, then is one of the benefits that now I'm in control of the purse strings? Yeah, you can control how the money will be spent. It must be in furtherance of the charitable purpose of the nonprofit. So you can control it, manage it, you know, watch it grow. And hopefully at some point as you're ready to make the distributions, when you see that there's a specific cause or specific thing that you want to donate to, then you can do it at that point. You have control over that and get the tax deduction. Sorry. Let's make this real. So I'm somebody who says, you know, I've always really wanted to do something on the charitable side. Maybe you want to have amateur sports league or maybe you really do care about your community. Maybe you want to do veterans housing, recovery housing, transitional housing, housing for uh, moderate to, to low income folks. It, it can be if Section 8, by the way, is like a charitable activity. But, you know, maybe that's you and you're saying, hey, you know what, or maybe it's religious or maybe it's teaching, fill in the blank, right? Maybe it's because you love cats and dogs and you want to you want to help save them. Can I set this up and like, do I have to jump through a bunch of hoops when I set it up to, to meet the, to, to be a public charity or, or is there a period of time when I can just set this puppy up, treat it as a public charity and I, and I get a grace period? Well, you know, it's, it's easy to set up, first of all, to do it, at least from our perspective. Yeah. For your perspective, yeah. it might be easy for people. They have no idea. It's a state filing and a federal 1023 or 1024 app, which is, that thick, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's hundreds of questions that you're going to be answering, Yeah, but go ahead. So, so you set it up. Yeah. Set it up. It's easy for you. It's easy for you. Hard for us, yeah. but, yeah. but you're, you're so old hat at it that you, you could do it in your sleep. Probably. Yeah, pretty much, you know, but it, it can be daunting because of just the steps that you have to do and, and what you have to do in terms of doing the setting up the entity and the application process. But, you know, once you set it up, once you've applied for exemption and you decide that you want to fund this organization, this nonprofit organization, you can do it immediately. You can get the tax deduction, you know, with at, while you're waiting to decide exactly what you want to do with the money. You know, if you want to keep it for a couple of years and then make the distributions, you can do that. You know, we don't recommend that you do it for more than, you know, you know, four or five years, because if it continues to stay in there, IRS is going to assume that it has been dormant and they're going to assume that it was more self-serving for you to get the tax benefits without actually doing it for a charitable cause. So we say give it a couple of years until you know exactly where you want to do it or where you want to operate and how you want to distribute the money. But you can keep it in there and get those tax deductions right now when you say, and then decide how you support the causes. I want to make sure. Are you talking about using a donor advice fund or are you talking about putting it into a charitable organization that's just sitting on the money for a little bit? No, I'm talking about in a charitable organization. Uh, that you yeah. that you create and the one that you can have control over in terms of how it's managed. Mm-hmm. You know, again, you're a fiduciary for this organization, so you're making sure that everything you're doing is in furtherance of the charitable purpose of what the nonprofit does. 
But, you know, you have discretion as to how it's going to be spent, how it's going to be invested. You can decide at a later time when you can do it. And, you know, as opposed to the donor advised fund, where you have limited discretion with what you can do within the nonprofit, you can decide. For example, you want to bring on people and pay them reasonable compensation to work, manage, to carry out these activities. You can do that. And if you want to give to individuals, as we've given as examples before, you can do all of those things. You can't do that in a donor advised fund. You can't give internationally in a donor advised fund, but you can through this 501c3 organization that you control. So you have a number of benefits, not only tax benefits, but there's other benefits with it as well. So I set up a charity. Does uh, and, and I guess I, I know the answer, but I'll let I'll just ask it of you so that you could uh, give people direction. But if I set it up and then I go get my exemption, I heard that exemptions can take nine months, over a year in some cases. Does it relate back to the date that I filed it, or do do I, can I only make charitable donations after I get my exemption? No, it relates back. It's retroactive to the date that you incorporated it. So as soon as you incorporate the entity and you decide that you want to make a contribution into the or into the uh, to the nonprofit, even if it takes nine months, even if it takes two years, as long as you file it, you know, immediately apply for exemption right away, and then you can get the exemption. It will apply retroactively. So even if it's taken a year or two, you will get the tax deduction because the effective date of exemption was the date that it was incorporated, which was before you made the contribution. So it would apply retroactively. So if I set up an organization, let's say, because we're year-end tax planning, and I set it up in uh, December 15th, I file for my exemption, and I don't even have a bank account yet. December 31st rolls around, and I want to stroke it a check. I write that check. Let's say I donate $10,000 to my charity. That would be a deduction this year, so long as I set up that bank account and negotiate that check within a reasonable time. Yes. That will actually be a donation. Even though I don't have my exemption letter back from the IRS, let's say that sometime next year or the year after I make the contribution, I get that exemption letter. There's nothing I have to do. I already took the donation. Yeah. (laughs) So make sure, for sure, whether it's to this 501c3 you set up or any organization that you want to donate to, you know, the effective date is if you write a check, it's the date that you file or send that check. So if it's December 31st Mm -hmm. that you send it, you know, send it in the mail, then it will apply. You can get the deductions this year. If it's your own 501c3, we're going to tell you, you better make sure you deposit that check right away. You can deposit it in January, but you got to deposit it right away because, you know, you're kind of on both sides of the transaction. And yes, you can get the tax deduction as long as the organization is a 501c3 and becomes a 501c3, then yes, it would be tax deductible for that. Wow. Get her done is what you're saying. Exactly. Right. So let me just go through. I want to run a I know that we have one more, but I want to go over the nine that we just went over so we can reduce our taxes. There's big tax benefits up to 60% of your AGI for cash donations. You could also donate appreciated stock uh, or other assets. It could be crypto. It could be real estate. It could be, you know, stocks that you've held for a while. You could do in-kind contributions like uh, postage, traveling, uh, purchasing goods on behalf, on behalf of an organization. Mm-hmm. If you're going to support families uh, domestically, this would be number five. You want to set up a 501c3, you can do that and get a benefit. If you do GoFundMe, things like that, do do that through your cha- your own charity. Mm-hmm. International support of charitable causes, got to make sure that it's a domestic entity. That, But then if you set up a charity here, you can actually support international causes and get the deduction here. You get to control how the money, like when you run your own charity, you actually have a great degree of control as to what money will be spent. You can actually make a contribution during the year 
even though you don't have your exemption letter back, it'll relate back to the date that you filed with the secretary of state of whatever state you're doing business in. It'll relate back. And that was number nine, which brings us to number 10, 10, 10, however we do it. My toes are standing up right now. Um, you can create a family legacy. I want to talk about that one as our last one. I really want you to, to hit on that. Yeah. Why would somebody want to consider doing a charity or, or, or a private foundation, a public charity or private foundation as part of their uh, legacy? Well, there's no doubt, you know, we say this and, and, and this is just, you know, call this anecdotal, but we've seen this from the hundreds of clients that we're representing, even the thousands of clients, you know, they want to get their family involved. They want to make an impact. They know that if they get their kids involved at an early age, this is going to have an impact on them for the rest of their lives. It's something that we're going to want to keep doing for sure. You know, it's, it's even affected even with my family, getting your family involved, having control as to where the money is going to be distributed. You know, you're, you're going to see the impact that it's going to make on people. And this is what many people want to do. They want to make a difference. They want to have control over it. You know, they, they don't want to give to another 501c3 organization. Even though it may be trustworthy, they want to have control about where they mm -hmm. can distribute the money. They want to determine how the donations are going to be invested, where the money will be distributed, when it's going to be distributed. And then, of course, you know, as we said, they can decide how to make that impact. You mentioned about affordable housing before. We've even done shared housing, which is common. Humanitarian mm -hmm. relief is extremely popular where you give food, clothing, shelter, medical expenses, you know, covering the metal medical expenses of families, also international giving, as you said, assisting veterans is extremely popular, the animal shelter and sanctuary, educational resources to empower low-income families as well, and scholarships. You know, these are all just common examples of what we see, and they want to be involved in it, being able to help these families directly, being able to help these individuals directly, and, you know, they can make that impact. And again, it's something that lasts the rest of their lives, and many people who are wealthier you know, they decide at some point when they retire and you don't just have to be wealthy. People retire and they decide they want to do this and focus on this full time. They want this to be their passion to do for the rest of their lives as well. You know, getting the family. It is a big thing. It's an important thing. And we've seen this happen more and more and more among our clients. Yeah. And, and, and just just to add my two cents, it's outside of your state. So if you're somebody who's got a substantial net worth north of, uh, let's say, 25 million, and you know that the feds are going to be nailing your estate for 40% when you pass away and your spouse passes away or if you're single, it's, 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 you know, around 13 million and you're above that. They're taking a huge chunk. If you donate it to charity ahead of time, even your own charity, it's out of your estate. Nobody can take it from you. And then instead of just giving somebody a big pile of cash, say I pass away and I have a whole bunch of real estate, I have a whole bunch of cash and everything else. And I just dump it on my my family here, heirs, blah, like, you know, to my kids, instead of doing that, I'm giving them something that they could actually avoid probate with, avoid the, the, the temptation to take it all and try to buy a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or, you know, other great life choices that you could make when you, where you get a windfall, they would work for the organization. So they would get paid a salary, reasonable salary, plus maybe their expenses are reimbursed. You could bring other family members. You could have a board. And they're and then they're piloting and, and stewarding your this uh, the, something you created. You know your legacy becomes their legacy becomes your their you know their kids' legacy becomes their your great grandkids' legacies and your great 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 grandkids' legacy because these things don't die they just continue on they just keep going forward 
And uh, what a, what a cool way to do estate planning. Sorry to step right on you on that one. I just can't resist. Is there anything else, Kareem, that somebody should be considering? This is, uh, again, we're, we're going to call this uh, 10 ways that you can uh, reap rewards or something from a, from a 501c3. But is there anything that we're missing? Uh, no, I think we've covered everything. You know, I, I would say let us help you <laughs> for sure. You know, for sure. You know, is that if you want to do this, if this is something that you want to do, creating your own 501c3, then it's something that Anderson can help you with. Because again, we've done this, you know, thousands of times. It's new to you, but it's not new to us because we've done it so many times. Yep, absolutely. So I'll put the contact information down there. Hey, like and subscribe if if uh, if you like this type of content. And if you will, and you're still listening, then go down in the comments and say what kind of charity you might be interested in doing. Or, you know, you can even ask, hey, does this count? And we'll do our best to respond and say, yeah, you can do that. A lot of people don't realize IKEA is a charity. Almost every major university is a charity. The Green Bay Packers are a charity. <laughs> National Hockey League is a charity. Major League Baseball is a charity. Almost every hospital is a charity. Even Alabama, where they pay Nick Saban a tremendous amount of money in the University of Michigan. Those are all charities. And yes, there can be a whole bunch of benefit that comes out of them. All they are is these really cool institutions you can create your own uh, and get some benefit. If, if you know anybody that would benefit from this information, please share it. Otherwise, down in those comments below, tell me about your ideas of what you'd like to do as a charitable activity. And we'll do our best to see whether it's yay or nay. Uh, we'll do it as a little informal contest, too, to see who uh, who has the best idea. <laughs> and uh, Kareem. Thanks for joining us again. And I appreciate your wisdom, sir. Thank you. And, uh, and, and if anybody wants to reach out to Kareem, we'll make sure that it's easy to get a hold of him. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode.